This is Infidel 1. Offending Coyote down. Offending Coyote down. Roger that. Welcome to Trapping Radio. We're proud, organic, free-range, wild fur farmers of North America. Let me tell you a little story about how I was raised. Every day work, every day pray. Got family, friends, yeah, everybody sins. A winner never quits, and a quitter never wins. Help folks in need, don't fall for greed. A jealous man is weak, so think before you speak. If you love them, let them know. If you hate, let it go. Fast can be fun, but sometimes you need slow. God is all good, the devil is so real. So listen up, y'all, because this is how I feel. I won't back up, I don't back down I've been raised up to stand my ground Take my job, but not my guns Tax my trip till I ain't got none Except for the good Lord of above I answered to no one Now let's cover our sponsors. They do a lot to help support Trapping Radio. So I'm asking you guys out there and gals, to help support our sponsors as they keep trapping radio on the air. First sponsors, Oki Cable and Trap Supply. Jeb's the owner of this. He's out of Oklahoma. Super guy. You'll not meet anybody nicer. It's somebody you're going to want to deal with. You can reach him at OKTrapSupply.com. You can give Jeb a call at 918-429-4648. Not only does he do trap supply, guys, he's a fur buyer, so if you're around the Oklahoma or surrounding states, give him a call with your fur. When you need stuff, give him a call, and he'll get it out to you as soon as he can. Our second sponsor is F&T Fur Harvesters Trading Post. Everything you need for trapping, hunting with hounds, and predator calling. Guys, if you're into trapping fur, hunting fur, chasing fur with dogs, you're not going to be able to think of hardly anything that you can't get from F&T. You can reach them at fntpost.com. You can also give them a call at 989-727-8727. Whatever you want, FNT's got. Wildlife Control Supplies. Proven solutions for wildlife control. Delivering value, expertise, and products to the wildlife individual. If you're an ADC business, control business, even fur trapping, you need to look at these guys' website, Top Notch Company, have everything you would want, even the odd stuff that ADC guys are looking for. You can reach them at wildlifecontrolsupplies.com. You can give them a call at 877-684-7262. International number is 860-844-0101. If you're a wildlife control professional, you need to have wildlife control supplies as one of your favorites on your computer or your phone because when you come across something that you need specialized equipment, Alan will get it right out to you. Now let's go traffic. Total son of a gun, yeah, I'm hell on the heart, just a rebel on the run. Scared, don't know it, fear, don't feel it. The truth is the light, sometimes you gotta fight. Good beats bad, right beats wrong. I'm a ballroom preacher and this is my song. I'm climbing for the top, representing for the country. I'm the people's champ, right out to dead camp. Shotgun toter, Republican voter, Hank Jr. supporter, let's protect our border. 
don't believe in the USA Cause this is what I say I won't back up, I don't back down I've been raised up to stand my ground Take my job, but not my guns Tax my check till I ain't Well hello guys, uh, welcome to Trapping Across America My name is Chip Davis and I'm sitting in again as guest host for Trapper Radio tonight uh, Clint happens to be out yeah, but don't fear, we still got a great, great show for you. Got an interview for you lined up tonight that I am big time excited about bringing to you guys. Uh, I was in a meeting in, uh, today and heard this guy, so we'll talk more about that here in just a, just a few minutes. Um, guys, it's getting close to fall. Um, you know, trapping season is just literally right around the corner. I know I'm getting excited. I'm sure a bunch of you guys are too. Uh, our time is nigh. Uh, it is very, getting close. Hopefully, guys are starting to get their traps out and the rust knocked off and thinking about uh, maybe some scouting, a little preseason scouting going on, I'm sure, a bunch of places. So the time's getting close. Uh, I'm ready. I don't know about anybody else, but I am ready to stick some steel in the ground uh, for sure. Um, like I mentioned, Clint's out um, this week uh, taking care of some business. Uh, Clint, we'll, we're going to miss you, but we're going to have fun uh, even in your absence here. I want to remind you guys of a couple of things that Clint's got going on. Um, he still has his video library, uh, which is How to Trap It. I think that website is www.howtotrapit.com. Guys, this is an incredible value. Um, if you haven't already, you need to check this out. I think there is in excess of 50 hours worth of video that Clint's put together. Every single DVD that he's ever produced, he packaged all together. It's um, You go to that website and uh, it is pennies on the dollar for what each individual video would cost literally pennies on the dollar he compiled all that there you can download those and watch those as long as you'd like um it's just an incredible incredible value there so you want to check that out if you hadn't already well guys i am sitting in a camper trailer at the nta the national trappers association 57th i believe annual convention um i got in here a couple of days ago and uh um, I was asked uh, a few months ago to be the Mississippi director to the NTA, which is a title I wasn't even really sure what all entailed, but uh, I agreed to take it, namely because I was coming each year for the uh, with it, my taking the expand pan booth to the show for the you know for the retail thing and to meet you guys. That's what I love so much about these shows. Uh, so I'm up here waiting to be able to set my my booth up tomorrow and uh, getting ready for this show and and. And the reason I t had taken that position on is because I was almost a, kind of a cheap date. Uh, they knew I was coming anyway, and I told them, look, I'm not going to charge the state association anything to come because I'm going regardless, and I'll be glad to do that and fill in. So as a result of that, I get an opportunity to sit in um, on the board with uh, with NTA, and uh, that's what happened today. So my first full day of meetings was today. Very, very, very interesting, and uh, probably the highlight of the entire day was when our NTA legal counsel spoke, and he happens to be sitting straight across the table from me in this camper. Um, so I want to introduce to you um, Gary Lestico from St. Cloud, Minnesota. Gary, uh, tell the folks kind of uh, a little bit about you and, and a little bit about your background. Sure will, Chip. Thanks. Uh, my name is Gary Lestico, and I'm an attorney 
I'm licensed in Minnesota, Wisconsin, North Dakota, South Dakota, a number of federal courts. I've represented the National Trappers Association for a number of years. Basically act as legal counsel for the NTA. Any questions they have, uh, you know, there's always nonprofit corporation issues. They have issues with setting up the fairgrounds uh, for the conventions. They have a number of employees, you know, standard issues that come up with them. And then we also are involved in a number of litigations around the country to protect trapping, get involved on various legal lobbying type issues in different states. Um, in addition to the NTA, I, I mean, I have a private practice. The law firm is Rinky Noonan in St. Cloud. Um, I do a lot of ag, natural resource, wetland type litigation and, and uh, administrative actions around the country. And then I do represent the Minnesota Trappers Association, Home Association, and have assisted and represented other trapping associations around the country on different specific questions that they have. Um, I grew up trapping, my family trapped, I trap today, my kids trap. I trapped last fall, I intend to trap this fall, so trapping is very important to me. And I've worked that into my practice and continue to do so. So I, I come to these NTA board meetings like today you mentioned, it uh, continues into tomorrow. The normal business of the NTA and then give an update on the litigations. And we, the NTA, are involved in seven litigations that are currently active around the country and, and glad to kind of discuss those with you. Cool, cool. Well, I thought one of the most important things, and I do want to get into some of those litigations that are going on. Um, you talked about them today in the meeting, and as much as we can, I'd like to discuss them with the, with the guys here on Trapping Radio. Uh, but one of the most important things is, um, you know, if you're going to hire an attorney to represent you, and, um, and especially if you represent a trapping association, I think it's really important that you hire an attorney that traps. So you being a trapper, and uh, from some of the examples that you have already given me, this is uh, this is it's not a play trapper. You're a real trapper through and through. It sounds like a generational thing. Uh, real quick, let's just kind of—I don't want to get this to dive completely off into trapping, but I would like to get a little bit of your background on on the trapping thing, and we'll get more into the uh, the NTA functions here real shortly. But just briefly, how did you get started uh, into trapping, and kind of what species you like to chase, and that sort of thing? Sure. So where I grew up was by Elk River, Minnesota, Central Minnesota, uh, Minnesota's. Every state's unique. Minnesota's unique in its own way. It's it's basically has a number of the eastern species, western species, southern species, northern species. So there's a lot to trap in Minnesota. Uh, grew up in a family, you know, grew up on a dairy farm. Everyone is a farmer. My grandfather, my dad, my uncles, my brothers worked into it. And trapping was part of it. It was just part of the fabric and everybody trapped in the community. And uh, my brother and I, we took it basically to the next level and got more serious about it as we grew up and it was actually what I when I other than when I was in the military I've trapped every year and um, at one point it was my primary income worked myself through college trapping wow. so everything that you can trap in Minnesota um, you know bread and butter species are the same in the Midwest raccoon muskrat mink red fox gray fox um, we also have pine marten and fisher. Mm -hmm. Today, I concentrate. I just love trapping and snaring bobcat, fox, mm -hmm. coyotes. Do all the water species. 
Um, we have a lot of otter. We've had wolf trapping in the state, so the three years that it was allowed before the federal injunction came in, um, we had a permit system, and um, my son and I, my wife and daughter, we all were lucky enough to drop permits for the wolves. We all wow. took wolves for three years going, and so it was a very good experience. A lot of wolves in Minnesota. They're a very neat animal. They need managing like everything else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, hit it real hard at the time, and I still try to set aside a couple months in the fall as much as I'm capable of doing. Mm -hmm. The people I work with, my associates, my paralegals know that that's what I'm going to do, and they try <laughs> to schedule things as much as possible. And, you know, like everybody else, you try to fit it in as much as you can. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, everything from short-tail weasel to timber wolf in Minnesota, I've gone out of state a uh, few times on different species that, you know, I have a bucket list that mm -hmm. I'd like to do and I've gone around and, and trapped different species and there's ones that I continue to want to add to that and mm -hmm. do, a, you know, foot, uh, foot traps, um, body grip traps, do a lot of snaring, mm -hmm. uh, cable restraints, that type of thing, mm -hmm. um, water and land. And so I have pretty good background on all different types of aspects of trapping and that it is important when you're representing trappers, trapping associations, to have that background. In fact, most you know cases do get involved on the specific type of equipment and what that matters and whether a certain jaw spread affects trappers or not. I, I think that's real important. And mm -hmm. so I've used my personal experience, added into the professional. And I do you know other things as, uh, as an attorney, a lot of ag, wetland type law. Um, and it all fits together. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a very common type thread through everything. Cool. That is awesome. That is awesome with it. So, yeah, especially just having that background and, and uh, it's a genuine knowledge. It's not a, well, I think this might fit here, is it? but it's a genuine first-hand experience. So that wolf thing is absolutely my bucket list. Wow, I bet that was that was really cool. So. Yeah, I dreamed about that since <laughs> I was a little kid. And, in fact, my son and I, for years before the season opened, we talked about when the season opens, we're going to hang a snare right there. Right. Every year for 10 years, wolves pass right there every year. And as soon as it opens, we're going to hang a snare. And we hung snares and we came back to the wolves. So, oh, well, I want, all right. So real quickly, I want to hear that story real quick. We got a lot of legal stuff to talk to yeah. talk about, and I'm looking forward to getting in there. I think the listeners are going to find this incredibly interesting. But maybe this is just for me. I got to hear the wolf story. So you you hung the snare there. Tell me about what it was like coming and see it. Is it is it like coyote times a hundred or? It, it, it is. I mean, I grew up dreaming about wolves. You read the books, White Fang. You know, you you go through all of that, and and wolves are the apex predator. Um, they're just an incredible animal, and the, you know they have the packs. And where I trap in Minnesota, there's wolves everywhere, and. Um, there's significant numbers of them. And I, I mean, I think I'm just exactly like most trappers. If there wasn't a sustainable harvest, you just want trap. Mm -hmm. uh, there's more than a sustainable harvest in Minnesota. Right. They're, they're hurting the deer, they're hurting cattle, they're hurting moose. Um, and you can trap them at a much higher level than even the state allowed during the time we were able to trap them before the federal case and join the, the trapping. Um, but it's a great resource. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we, I got serious, and so the, the, we had an application process, and they had a permit, and they, you just randomly got pulled mm -hmm. on a on a permit, and luckily, my, actually, my wife, my daughter, my son, and I all pulled the first year. 
uh, permit and got serious about it and I knew where the wolves were been walking by them for years and years you know they show themselves mm -hmm. in the snow you don't see very many you see them once in a while but they um, pattern and once you you know you're tra checking your traps every day every couple days mm -hmm. and the wolves have a certain pattern to them and we knew where that was and we talked about it my son and I especially did a lot he's college stole him away so mm -hmm. he's not a, available as much but he still right. traps he's gonna trap this fall trap last fall with him and um, you know we put bait stations out and we watched the wolves and when the season opened up we you know we had looked into the type of snares that and I the Alaskan Trappers Association puts out a real good manual so if you're ever mm -hmm. gonna trap wolves by the manual read mm -hmm. it study it talk to the guys in Alaska they're open to addressing it with you and we we took that to heart and we looked at it and you know we had three thirty second snares and some seven sixty fourth and some one eighths and um, different manufacturers. Rally Hess in Minnesota used a bunch of his snares. Mm -hmm. Talked to him and uh, put the snares out and it is an absolute incredible thing when you come up and there is a wolf there. They're a big game. <laughs> you know they are big yeah. game at the at the zenith of the top. Right. And it is really interesting and they're beautiful beautiful animals. Unfortunately because of the population levels in Minnesota and I think this is similar to other areas where there's limited trapping and hunting a lot of them have mange. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. we, we did get lucky. We got some with mange. We got some with absolute perfect awesome. fur on them. Just wow. absolutely. So my wife said I'm done mounting <laughs> anything else. But, yeah. you know, we put a few into rugs and yeah. we tanned the rest. And um, I was betting that those were wall hangers now. Yeah. They're wall hangers. <laughs> yeah. And um, if the, I, I'm confident, and we'll get into that in some of the legal issues, that we will get wolf trapping back mm -hmm. in the lower 48s in the Midwest and Lake States. And, um, I, you know, if I get a black one, I'll put that into a rug yeah. there. And awesome. Beautiful animal. Wow. So it's great. Well, that's incredible. I've, um, we actually had not had an opportunity to talk much about trapping. We've, what little bit we've been visiting is just kind of some general background, but, uh, but we're live market coyote trappers almost exclusively there. So <laughs> I would, um, yeah, that kind of sent chills up my spine. If you were <laughs> describing that, that is awesome. That would be a, a dream. Yeah. A dream and I, trip, I, so. I, you know, my, when I'm trapping weasel, they're the favorite favorite thing to, yeah, me to trap. That's right. When absolutely. I'm trapping bobcat, they're my favorite thing to trap. <laughs> I do have a soft spot for for bobcats and coyotes, and mm -hmm. we have a lot of coyotes. And um, they're a northern coyote. They're a big coyote. Um, and I I don't know that the the process of trapping a wolf is a lot different than trapping a coyote, right. other than they're a wolf. Mm -hmm. You know that mm -hmm. just that concept of it. Um, so we have always put a lot of work into snaring and foot trapping coyotes and um and you know once you understand trapping you understand trapping that, and just right. use yeah. that every species is different exactly. but you use that that's right that's right yeah. you know, you know with them being a canine i would think they would be very similar to the very coyotes. similar yeah. they yeah. they work because they're in a pack and a, and in minnesota depending on where you're at the pack sizes change mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so a larger pack is much more aggressive coming into a set because i wow. think there are more of them they're not afraid mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. each animal is the top of the food chain and as a pack they're clearly top of the food chain and so if you have a, a dozen plus wolves in a pack they're very aggressive wow. they come in they don't doubt wow you know you have to use fundamental good trapping methods you, mm -hmm. you don't let them see your tracks you cut it you cut their tracks sideways and you mm -hmm. put your snares in um and, and they're they're quite trappable mm -hmm. i i 
and I admit we only had seasons for three years, so I'm mm-hmm. not the guys in Alaska that have done it for decades. You'd have to ask them. But from what I've seen, a good smart coyote is every bit as smart as a good smart wolf. So if you're mm-hmm. confident you can catch coyotes, you can right. catch wolves. Yeah, big I'll, hardware. After after that comment, I almost no. would think maybe the challenge is maybe a nod toward the coyote because he's so phobic and, you know... Um, where it sounds like maybe a pack of wolves, maybe not quite as much. So. Well, right, and we're, it, it, we saw in Minnesota, so when I was growing up, um, age myself, I grew up in the 60s and 70s. In central Minnesota, at that time, we had no coyotes. Mm-hmm. We had phenomenal number of red fox and gray fox. Mm-hmm. And when the wolves came in, the wolves pushed the coyotes out. Right, wow. And that really changed where the fox went. Well, then the the coyotes came in in big numbers when the wolves weren't there, and they pushed the red fox out. Mm-hmm. So it, it made a real big difference how that affected the different populations, how the canines work together. Gray fox, because they can climb trees, they're not really affected by mm-hmm. anything. They kind of go about their business. Right. But coyotes, wolves, and red fox very much dictate to each other how they're going to exist in a certain place. That's right. We even saw that same type thing all the way in Mississippi. When we lost our red fox, that's when the coyotes came exactly. in. Exactly. You know, so exactly. Yeah. And it, it all fits together very interesting um, how that affects other issues. And, um, you know, there's theories that Lyme's disease has been increased because red fox, more they more preyed on mice and that type of thing mm-hmm. and when coyotes came and pushed the red fox in they didn't prey the same way so right. ticks were affected mm-hmm. it's interesting how that all works together and it, in minnesota at least we've always had wolves but they have expanded and coyotes and fox and wolves have kind of come to an equilibrium it seems where within a certain area you, you will understand when the wolves come in the coyotes move over and the fox then kind of fill in the vacuum and it's interesting how they all fit together but i do think a smart coyote is probably at the top of the list if mm-hmm. you can catch a smart coyote you can right. catch just about anything right wow wow that is uh that's amazing but um and and i'm glad to hear you echo that because I've, I've said that for years but uh yeah he is a smart coyote he's a very smart so, thing. Yep. Yeah. Well, to segue here just a little bit, and this is actually kind of what we what we uh, sit down to talk about. But um, since my official affiliation with NTA, and I've been a member, I'm a life member for years now, and and uh, um, but since my official affiliation in the director's role, I've tried to make a conscious effort to recruit more and more members, and it seems like I get a resounding echo when I talk to somebody about membership in the NTA, especially, you know, something just basically joining the NTA, not affiliated through a state organization or not affiliated, you know, affiliate like that, just to straight out join the NTA. I get one question, and it's what what do they do either what do they do for trapping or what do they do for me where's my money going where's where's the where are the dollars where's the money trail and that seems to be the echo that i get resounding time and time again when i talk to somebody about hey you ought to look at just if you remember the nta you know well you need to be you know and 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 you say well and that's that's the echo that's where i get right there well during your talk today during the board members uh, board, board meeting rather i'm sorry it became very apparent where the money goes and what it goes for and what the issues are that we fight and are really the be the reason for our very existence 
um, to be quite frank. Um, and so that's what I wanted you to go into. And guys, if you've ever wondered, where does my money go? Where, what does my membership dollars fight? Why do I need, why is it important for me to be a member of either a state association or the NTA or any, it could, this could even parallel to, it's absolutely, especially and, and pointedly paralleling and pointing toward the NTA, but this also could be almost any wildlife conservation group. But, uh, but today we're talking about the National Trappers Association. And so we want, I just want, kind of want to open the discussion up with you. And I'm just going to sit back and let you listen to kind of what you described to the board today on some of these specific cases that are going on, how our involvement helps to preserve what we love, what our passion is. Um, and without this organization standing up there, I'm just afraid that there would not be very many people like yourself in line to defend what we're defending. So. Yeah, and the, the associations, I, I mean, I'm like everyone else. I've, I'm a member of a number of different associations. I don't just trap. I, you know, most trappers are similar where they hunt, they fish, they do that type of thing. And it all generally fits together. Um, I believe I joined the NTA, National Trappers, Fur Takers, and uh, Minnesota Trappers Association when I was 14. Mm -hmm. I got magazines back to then. And um, I've been more or less active at the Minnesota Trappers Association level within Minnesota politics and uh, the legal process in Minnesota. I remember probably about when I could start driving at 16, testifying at Senate and House of Representative committee hearings on trapping issues in Minnesota um, with different laws. And that was all through the Trappers Association. Mm -hmm. And you know, I get the same offers in the mail from all the different organizations. And I think it's, there's none of the, you know, Safari Club, United States Sportsman Association, the NTA, FTA, the local associations, I think they all fit together. Um, I frankly have never understood where the National Trappers Association came from, different fur takers mm -hmm. uh, of America. Mm -hmm. I think they're all important, they're all good. Um, the local associations, they all fit a different purpose. So the state associations focused more on inter, you know, within the state and the national kind of fit it all together. Um, but the trapping associations, they fit a very specific niche, which is they focus just on trapping. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the associations are much more broad umbrella um, organizations. They look at all the issues. Very important. Um, there's a lot of big players. There's a lot more pheasant hunters and trappers. There's a lot more deer hunters and trappers, big game hunters. Um, I don't think there's inner fighting between those, but trappers worry about trappers. And mm -hmm. so I got involved and I became an attorney I've been an attorney for 23 years, um, where I work now, and I started representing individual trappers, mm -hmm. and I got some involved with the Minnesota Trappers Association on issues that I saw from clients coming in. So I'd get 15 clients on a specific issue, there's something wrong with that law. You right. know, there's something that, 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 that is being misused within that law that can be fixed. That's how I got involved, and that expanded then into the National Trappers Association and these broader nationwide cases. Mm -hmm. So the NTA, your membership is important for two things. One, you're just counted. 
Mm -hmm. So when you can file an affidavit or declaration in a case and say there's 10,000 of you versus mm -hmm. 2,000, that means something. Mm -hmm. It'd be best we could say there's 20,000. Right. It's best we could say 110,000. Sure. Um, and then it also provides resources to bring these cases. I have a very soft heart for trappers and trapping associations. And within the firm I have, which we have about 30 attorneys, we treat these trapping cases very softly and we bill different, but it still takes resources. I got to pay the paralegal, I got to pay the electric to bill sure. like everybody else. And so there, and we have experts, we have filing fees, we have fax fees, we have reproduction fees on briefs, that type of thing. So it takes resources. Mm -hmm. And if people block together, it's not that much per trapper. But if people don't work together, it really puts the burden on just a very few people. Sure. And these cases, you know, if you're in Mississippi where you're from, mm -hmm. it seems like a case in the state of Maine or the ca a case in Idaho, how does that affect us? It all fits together. Mm -hmm. So I do these legal cases. I also get involved at lobbying issues within the different states, a, a great deal in Minnesota because I live within driving mm -hmm. distance of St. Paul and go down a lot. And there's anti-trapping measures in every state at some level on different years. And what happens in other states is used against every other state. And so to protect trapping, I care, I will tell you it just personally hurts me to have trapping restrictions imposed that make no difference. They, right. they, all they do is hurt trapping. They, exactly. they don't protect anything. Um, trapping's like everything else. There are some common, no sense limitations that don't hurt trapping. It's just like driving. You don't need to do 150 miles an hour down a city street, sure. Sure. but you need to do more than three miles an hour. Right. And right. so what I have tried to bring into the conversation in lobbying issues, which are legislative, mm -hmm or agency type issues and these litigations is meaningful trapping. Mm -hmm. I hear a lot of people tell me they grew up, their grandpa trapped, they remember walking around with their grandpa some, they remember the smell of fur, they support the tradition, they just don't like traps. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and without traps you can't, you don't That's have right. trapping. And, and so what the NTA tries to do and what the Minnesota trappers try to do, what these other state associations, what the, F the FTA tries to do is protect that meaningful trapping. Sure. Just like <clears throat> deer hunting has limitations, you gotta wear blaze orange. Mm -hmm. you, you can't hunt before sunup, you can't hunt after mm -hmm. sunup. Trapping can live with those same type of limitations, but if, if you're a trapper, you understand there are certain points of limitations on trapping and snaring where if you reduce your ability to use certain methods and certain tools yeah you can walk out there but you're not accomplishing anything right. example That's i right. often use in court and with legislators is is if if you put a dry fly on you can catch carp mm -hmm. it's capable but you're not if your purpose is removing invasive species from a waterway you're not going to remove enough carp to matter with a dry fly you're right. just not going to do it you can write articles about i went out and i learned that they're going to take certain kind of flies in certain conditions but it's not meaningful it, mm -hmm. and so my purpose in all of these cases and all the work i do is to work within the bounds of responsible trapping but to allow for meaningful trapping at the end of the day. There are there are anti-trappers, they just hate trapping. Right, sure. We, we just have to fight those. Mm -hmm. There's no mm -hmm. compromise, they just hate trapping. 
but there are a lot of other outdoor groups that they have concerns. They have dogs, you know, you have people with pets and they want to have certain assurances um, and they have responsibilities. So I think it's it's important to stress that trappers have responsibilities, so does everyone else. And if we all work together, the world is big enough that we can all do what we do out in the woods. Absolutely. But everybody has to work within that because trappers are a smaller minority most of the time than other groups. Mm -hmm. We have to sometimes be more aggressive in getting involved. We can't just sit back and hope somebody else, the Farm Bureau might right. not bring it up, you right, know, these sure. kind of groups. And and then there are, you know, trapping, it's bl it just bluntly in your face, you're killing something. Mm -hmm. Well, everything kills something. Right. You know, go to McDonald's, something died, That's that right. hamburger didn't come mm -hmm. off the shelf without something dying, the cow died. Right. And and you need to respect respectfully bring that forward into the conversation and um, you know when you're working with these groups legislators courts you have to be respectful you mm -hmm. have to you, you can't get roughshod you got to work with them their feelings are their feelings right. if, they, if they hate trapping they hate trapping and a lot of it can be educated mm -hmm. through to get them to understand it that you know, bobcats aren't endangered. Right. There's lots of bobcats, mm -hmm. and there's limitations on how many you can trap, when you can trap them. And so if you inform, you know, I believe if you understand trapping and you're respectful of people and you take your time, in 15, 20 minutes you can explain to most people to the point where they're not going to work against us. Right, right. They, they might not go out and pick up the, the rally cry for mm -hmm. us, but at sure. least they won't work against us. Right. Well, that and, makes perfect sense. That, you know, one thing I see with our little business with Expandapan is when I come to these national shows, especially the ones that are held more in the northeastern part of the country, for instance, last year in Hamburg, New York, um, I typically bring what I typically use at home, which is big coyote stuff, number three or bigger pans. Uh, you know, and when you get up here, I hardly sold any, and I was a little confused about that. And then it became about the second day of the show, very apparent why is because all my big stuff, what I consider a small trap, is illegal in the Northeast, and and, and so it's completely different. And you don't even have to get that far away. I live in Mississippi, but my neighboring state, uh, Tennessee. If they have a steel trap, it has to have rubber jaws on it, and right. you know, and so the the laws are all over the board. It's not homozygous from it's not even homozygous in the South. I mean, from Mississippi to Tennessee to Arkansas, completely separate. I've got a friend that traps out of Tennessee, um, and he tra traps Tennessee, Mississippi in an ADC business, Carl. Uh, he's got three sets of rules he's got to keep up with because he traps in all three states, sometimes on the same exact trap line. So, uh, you know, yeah. that, that, those sets of laws are, are certainly challenging. Yeah, a lot of laws don't make sense based on the science. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a big promoter of the science. Mm -hmm. But when you, when you use science, you live and die by science. And exactly. so you just have to accept that. And so if a species the biology of that species doesn't allow for it to be harvested, you have to accept that then you're not going to harvest that species. Right. Um, and I think, in, you know, hindsight's a beautiful thing. You learn a lot from hindsight. And, you know, 10 years after something was done, you're perfect at understanding how it should have been done. But I, I do think that trappers in the past, and I fell into this some too, out of sight, out of mind. We're just going to mm -hmm. stay mm -hmm. out of the, off the radar. Nobody will know about us so they can't attack us. And then we think we can deal with these with these people that want to stop trapping, 
by compromising with them that we can come up with some solution so we'll give away the bigger traps mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. they'll leave alone the, the smaller traps what I've learned and I think as a group trappers have learned if you get in if you're really on the ground level on these litigations and you're going down to the the agency hearings and you're going to your legislature mm -hmm. and you start to understand how that works that you need to be very careful about under believing that if we give up this right they will leave us alone exactly you see i'm glad that you said that because in, even in some of the meetings today there's a little bit of that alluded to and i'm so, maybe i'm just too hard-headed maybe my you know deep south redneck raisin or whatever you want to call it is just but i'm not for and i'm almost to the extreme one i'm almost not willing to give up anything i understand there is a place for compromise somewhere down the road but I almost think it's a last resort, and, and uh, yeah, I think a lot of guys are kind of cut like that, especially the guys that do what we do. And, and um, but uh, I completely get that. Is I don't want to give up anything. I no, I agree. I mean, it's all a balance. And as an attorney, not just with trapping issues, with any issues, you you need to sit down, understand the case, understand the facts, understand the law, have an honest discussion with the client, like I do with the NTA or the state mm -hmm. associations that I work with. Here's what your risks are. You know, if your if your attitude is they'll take it from my cold dead hand, that's mm -hmm. fine. But understand they may take it from your cold right. dead hand. Exactly. So you have to keep right. wisdom to it. Yep. And then there are things that aren't a compromise. They're just common sense. So if you're putting two twenty conibears in baited buckets ten feet from somebody's mailbox sure. just because it's legal. Sure. It's not a compromise to say we shouldn't do that. That's common sense. Yeah, absolutely. So people with dogs have rights. Mm-hmm. That, that sure they do. do. Right. Absolutely. And so we need you need to have common sense about that and understand that that's not a compromise. That's just common sense. But it, especially with legislative process, you can't, by law, you can't dict one legislative body. So let's say if your state has elections in Minnesota this fall, every senator and every representative is up for election. Mm-hmm. So next year, I, I don't know how many now legislative sessions we had have had in the history of the state, but it's the next one starts next January. Mm -hmm. That legislative body, those particular representatives and state senators, cannot pass a law and lock in future legislators as a matter of constitutional law. So you can't go in and say, okay, we'll agree no traps in these certain situations, but you agree, then we can always have traps in these other situations. Mm -hmm. There, There is no safe harbor in that. Right. You can come up to these people today, mm -hmm. but people in the future can change it. Right. So you need to understand as trappers what trappers should and shouldn't be doing. If you shouldn't be doing it, don't do it. Right. It's okay to have certain limitations under the law to those things. Mm -hmm. But then be very, very careful and do not have illusions because you come up with a compromise and they say, well, you can't have snares, but you can have cable restraints, that that means you're forever going to be having cable restraints. There is, there is no guarantee on that. And I, and I work with a lot of fine people in state agencies, federal agencies, and government. I've become very leery of trusting anyone on any of those issues and when I represent the national trappers like any other client I am cold-blooded on representing their interests at the 
that that is what I'm looking for. That's the purpose of an attorney, and I take that seriously. And we look at very limited allowance for compromising by giving away scientifically based trapping at the expense of having this false illusion that we're safe on other type of trapping. There is no safe harbor on that. So you have to be really careful, but there are times trappers need to understand that certain methods certain trappers use are not proper in certain areas. Right. And right. I think that's important for the long-term survival of trapping. I think it's good stewardship mm -hmm. of the trapping industry and it's working with other people. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, that makes perfect sense. And and I'm, uh, you know, so much of that I completely echo. I'm a science-based kind of guy, but also I agree if you're a science-based kind of guy, you gotta take the good science and the bad science. So you gotta live. If you live by it, you gotta die by it. I completely agree yep. with that. I happen to come from Mississippi, where I jokingly tell lots of people at conventions we have to buy a trapper's license and we cannot catch the governor. Other than that, anything else goes. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, so there are a lot of states that have much broader rights for trapping, and that's good. And I I like to see that. And then. You know, I, I'm heavily involved with the Minnesota Trappers Association, and like most Trappers Association, we have promoted education, education, education. Exactly, yes. And I, you cannot legislate stupidity out of people. Right. And so you can educate stupidity out of people. Mm -hmm. So we have strived that. We've went into the legislature in Minnesota and asked that there be requirement that people go through an education process and be certified. The Minnesota Trappers Association pays for all of that. They provide the, I'm a certified trapping instructor. I've certified a number of young trappers and I think you need to take the time on that and um, take that real seriously. And that will take care of a lot of problems that trappers work into. Right. There's always some people been doing it forever and that's how they're gonna do it and they just don't care. Right. As a society we need of trappers, we need to work with those people as much as we can because they're hurting us long term. Just don't do that. Mm -hmm. But other than those things that are just fundamentally wrong on how you trap I think we should fight for the, the ability to trap into the future and we should just not Absolutely. give things up. I mean, I, I could make every state bulletproof tomorrow from any future legislation or court action that could hurt trapping by just agreeing to give up trapping. Mm -hmm. We might as well fight and lose that before Absolutely. we do that. There's no need to give that up. Absolutely. We'll fight it. You know? Completely, completely yeah. agreed upon there. I cannot believe we have gotten this far into the show and we've actually not even started on topic. Um, and I'm going to get there right now. During the meeting, we uh, specified that there are, you correct me if I'm wrong here, but this is, I'm kind of flipping back to my notes from the actual meeting today. I understood that there are seven active or at least somewhat active cases that the NTA, this is all revolved around trapping related issues, that the NTA through your capacity, because you are the retained uh, counsel for the NTA, yes, um, and that we're actively involved in these seven cases right now. And I understand also that some of what we talked about may be not 
for me to, to talk about on the public forum like this um, through Trapper Radio. But there's also parts of each one I'm sure that you s certainly can comment on. And I would like for the listeners to hear similar to what I'd heard today because I found it incredibly interesting. And a lot of it goes exactly hand in hand with what we've been talking about this far. But these were just basically specific examples a couple of things that I wanted to make sure that you already have in the meeting today. One thing I found incredibly interesting was the plaintiff's names when we're in a defense situation on some of these cases are almost exactly the same on almost every single one of these, yeah. the same groups Correct. that we're fighting. That's right. So the National Trappers Association, I, and I, in my capacity, I represent them as their attorney of record on these cases and there are seven current cases that are active in federal court. So these are all federal cases. That's not blindly the result of just happenstance. Uh, uh, within the federal system, if you're an anti-trapping group or you're an anti-trapper as a member of a group and you want to have impact on trapping, the federal courts has a, have a much broader effect on the ability to limit trapping than a specific state court would. So tr traditionally under our form of government, the overseeing uh, fish and game issues were left to the states. Mm -hmm. And the states then get to set limits and seasons of trapping and hunting and fishing and you know th those consumptive uses ginseng to trees all of that the federal government has oversight under certain federal regulations and one of those is the endangered species act and the endangered species act is as its name implies a, a federal act that is the purpose of is to keep certain species that are in peril of going extinct from going extinct and a species, there's a, a very complex administrative process how an animal is determined to be placed on the list in the process. But an animal can end, or a plant or an insect can end up being, or fish can end up being limit, listed as either threatened or endangered. And so threatened is an animal that's about to become endangered. Endangered means that it's in peril of becoming extinct. And the Endangered Species Act, commonly referred to as the ESA, the purpose of that federal regulation, which was passed in the mid-1960s, was to keep species from coming extinct. It it's actually was a very well-purposed law. It is why there are still whooping cranes. It is why there are, are still California condors. Um, and I think trappers are very much supportive of making sure that species are not and you know, that don't end up going extinct. And so this, the act, the federal act is well-placed, well-meaning. Well, what happens is that under the processes that are set out in the Endangered Species Act, if you're a trapper and you go out and you try to trap an endangered species, that's illegal. And there's certain mm -hmm. civil and criminal penalties for it. But what, the, what these cases have, what these plaintiffs groups have done is they have, they're very much similar groups. In fact, the attorneys that are representing them in these different cases are the same in, in most of these cases. And this, some of the different groups, even though they have different names, these plaintiff groups, anti-trapping groups, the members of the groups are the same. Mm -hmm. exactly. So we'll see the same people coming into court 
they're under a different banner, different mm-hmm. name in a different state, but they're the same human being, right. and and they're promoting their belief. And the uh, and these people are, I mean, they're true believers. Mm-hmm. They well, believe trapping's very, evil. They, I, they I think, think it's, it's evil. I think it's very worthy of mentioning that, and that's the reason I wanted you to call that out because. That is their belief, you know, because it's the same guys and case after case after case. Yeah. Same attorneys, same plaintiffs. Same plaintiffs. And different and, name. It, different names. And so you'll find, you know, Center for Biological Diversity, Western West uh, Watershed Project, Friends of the Clearwater, Wild Earth Guardians, Friends of Animals, Animal Protection Institute, Animal for Animal Welfare Institute, um, Animal, you know, HSUS, Humane Society of the United States, which is different. Mm-hmm. Than Humane Society of America. Mm-hmm. So the the typical, you know, Humane Society that people can bring their cats and dogs to and that type of thing is a different outfit than the Humane Society of the United States. Their mm-hmm. purpose is to do what they're doing in these cases, which is to outlaw trapping or hunting or fishing, that right. type of thing. So you need to understand who it is that's in these groups and. They, they do a very good job. They sit down, they look at the federal statutes. Some of these federal statutes have what are called citizen provisions where a citizen can come in. If the federal government is not acting as they believe it should, they can bring cases instead of the federal government to try to stop what they think is resulting in harm to an endangered or threatened species. So they have worked hard to get certain species listed. The primary one that we've dealt with is the Canada lynx. Mm-hmm. It is listed as threatened. I think most biologists would agree it's not actually threatened. Mm-hmm. It In the lower 48s, it's in the periphery of its range. There's mm-hmm. substantial populations that are well-placed, um, healthy populations in Canada and Alaska. That's where they really mean to be. Mm-hmm. You know, you're mm-hmm. from Mississippi. <laughs> I have no doubt that polar bears would be endangered in Mississippi. Absolutely, exactly. They're not sure. meant to be there. Just right. like in Minnesota, mm-hmm. we have very few armadillo. They're right. just not there. We have right. no nutria. Mm-hmm. They would be endangered if they were. And so the, the whole process has been misscrewed. Instead of being a shield to protect a species, mm-hmm. these groups have used it as a sword mm-hmm. to stop certain conduct. The conduct we're concerned here with is trapping. So we have cases in Maine, fair number mm-hmm. of Canada lynx, mm-hmm. Minnesota, fair number of Canada lynx, Montana, fair number of Canada lynx, Idaho, not as many, but some lynx. Mm-hmm. And trappers do occasionally, inadvertently, catch a lynx in a trap. Mm-hmm. That is clearly a violation for that particular trapper because it's strict liability, meaning you don't need to try to. Mm-hmm. You can do everything you can to not catch mm-hmm. the links, but if you catch the link, it's a violation of law. What these plaintiffs have argued is because trappers can't trap without a license, and there's certain restrictions that states have placed on trapping, because trappers still catch links, then the state's responsible. Mm-hmm. So in Maine, Minnesota, Montana, and Idaho, these plaintiff groups have come in, sued the states, and argued they need to stop trapping because links are getting caught in traps. They originally started these lawsuits with wolves, mm-hmm. bald eagles, and lynx because at that time, 10 years ago, wolves were still listed as threatened or endangered and bald eagles were listed as threatened or endangered. Bald eagles and wolves have now been removed from the, the list other than the federal court put the wolves back in the Great Lakes. Not science-based, legal-based. Mm-hmm. 
and we're just dealing with the links now. So we've had two cases in Maine, and when I say we, I mean the National Trappers Association has intervened to try to stop these plaintiff groups from forcing the federal courts, from forcing the states to limit trapping because occasionally a lynx is caught in a trap. There is no evidence that lynx populations are harmed by trapping. Mm -hmm. So lynx are well placed in Maine. The population as a whole is safe. There's, they're just limited. It's too mm -hmm. far south for lynx. Right. But within the habitat, lynx are doing as good as you can, notwithstanding trapping. You know, Minnesota's a good, good example. Wolves were listed as threatened in Minnesota in the mid to late 60s. Notwithstanding, there is a robust trapping industry in Minnesota, right. a lot of trappers in Minnesota, more than most states ever have. Sure. Significant trapping around the state, and yet, from the mid-1960s until today, the wolf population has drastically increased, notwithstanding trapping. Right. Occasionally, a wolf has gotten caught in a trap. Occasionally, they're even killed in a trap. For three years, we had trapping purposely allowed to trap wolves. Um, I think it's good for the wolves. It's good for trappers. It's good for deer hunters. It's good for moose hunters. It's good for everyone else. But the wolves, have, the Endangered Species Act worked fine in Minnesota. If the federal courts would leave it alone, I think they would continue to work fine in Minnesota with the wolf. Right. And it'll work good in Minnesota and, and Wisconsin and Michigan as well, where we're sitting today. So, but these plaintiff groups have come in. They sued twice in Maine. They technically sued the state of Maine, mm -hmm. saying that your trapping restrictions are too broad because a lynx is occasionally getting caught. We have litigated, we actually, I was, I went to Bangor, Maine, had a uh, weak hearing. We prevailed on that. The plaintiffs appealed it to the First Circuit, went to Boston, argued that case. First Circuit agreed with us that notwithstanding some links are caught in Maine, trapping can continue. We did the same in Minnesota, we're doing the same in Montana, we're doing the same in Idaho. Mm -hmm. But these are not, and the NTA is not likely involved. These are full-scale federal litigations. We have experts, we have individual interveners. My office has over three million pages of documents that we've produced and been provided in these cases. Um, you know, I have usually a team of five or six people in the firm on each one of these cases. Or mm -hmm. They just take a lot of time and right. they take a lot of effort. And we have not come out of these unscathed. There's right. limitations in Maine. There's limitations in Mo Minnesota, Montana, and Idaho. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about that. I don't agree with those. I don't think the law supports them. I'm not a federal mm -hmm. judge. I don't get to decide. I respect the federal judges. They're doing the best they can with the facts and law they have. Sure. And our our allowance is to go through that process. We're appealing one of the cases in Montana. Mm -hmm. We're probably going to appeal the case in Idaho. Mm -hmm. um, these are all in different circuits, so we have to go through the complete federal process. In Maine is the first circuit. Minnesota is a circuit. Montana, Idaho is the Ninth Circuit, so it's a lot of different. We just got to plow the ground in every different state and move them forward. Notwithstanding there's some limitations, there's still meaningful trapping in all of those states in all of the areas that have links. Right. And it, I'm not happy that there's any limitations because I don't think links need them. Mm -hmm. I think sure. If they did, I would be supportive of Absolutely. limitations. Yeah. Uh, links are neat animals. I. I trap in areas with lynx, I see them, they work the sets, they come up the sets, you can trap without catching lynx. Right. 
-hmm. and and I just don't think trapping needs to be ended to protect lynx. We can have trapping and lynx. Exactly, exactly. And that's what we're doing in these cases, and the NTA gets involved, and it is important that you have a trapping association involved. You can be cold-blooded, objectively protecting trapping, regardless of implications to any other endeavor. You, all I care about is trapping in these cases. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I re respect the support we get from other hunting type organization or group, you know, Night State Sportsman mm -hmm. Alliance, Safari mm -hmm. Club, they get, they help out on these cases sometimes. But trapping is trapping. Right. Nobody right. else knows the difference between a 564th and a 764th cable. They don't know a 7x7 seven seven from a 1x19 twist. They don't know why a bigger trap like you use for coyotes is different than a smaller trap. I think trappers have made a mistake in the past in giving away bigger traps because you can still make it work in smaller traps. And it might work in some states, but you know I hear that in Maine they agreed to a smaller trap, so that should work in Minnesota and Montana. I know we have different snow conditions, we have different animals. Um, and the reality is the size of the trap between a number one and a half and a number two or a number you know two and three quarters is insignificant on whether you're likely to catch a lynx. Mm -hmm. I will acknowledge a number four might make a difference on catching a lynx mm -hmm. and you can fix that with pan tension for a wolf right but it makes no difference for coyotes and bobcats and it's just a limitation on trappers so in Montana we're appealing that case because there are tens of thousands of number twos and number three traps that you can't use now, bobcat trapping in Montana, which d they just don't help lynx. Right, I think sure. we could accept if it helped yeah. lynx that that's okay, but it doesn't. The lynx are no better off because of it, but trappers are worse off because of it. it absolutely, and it goes right back to the science-based arguments. Yes. That, yep. and, and that's what I so much like about your mindset and how you're approaching this, is you're approaching this from a science-based, factual base. This is not what I think this is this is science behind it. This is actual studies behind it from from you know state organizations that are state of this and state departments. So uh, so that's uh, so just kind of surmising and um, we're down to probably the last oh it's not anything under the gun but roughly five or ten minutes here. Uh, but um, most just to surmise most of the cases that have been heard based on the facts. I think you said something very important both earlier today in the meetings and also just a few moments ago, that different different federal courts and different federal circuits that you argue these in front of have vastly and greatly different judges that hear them and Correct. the background there. So what works for one judge may, may or may not work for another judge. And you also alluded to the fact that you kind of at least when you leave the courtroom, you have an idea whether that that particular case is going to be decided on the facts, or that particular case may be decided on something besides the facts. So some something completely. Unfortunately, different. that's sometimes the case. And so what trappers, what I bring into a case on behalf of the National Trappers Association is the practical reality of what matters to trappers, and what makes the difference when you're out trapping. So whether this trap under these conditions changes the reality out in the woods, whether a snare of a certain size changes the reality, both to catching something or not catching something. But just the way attorneys work and cases work, it's a lot dependent, it's very much dependent on precedence. Mm -hmm. So when you're in Boston and Maine, 
is within the First Circuit, which is heard in Boston, you're dealing with cases that have been decided in the First Circuit, which right. deal with whales and lobsters and and turtles and that type of thing on the East Coast. When you're in Minnesota, you're in the Eighth Circuit, and that's different issues. Those cases are different. And then when you're in Montana and Idaho, you're dealing with Ninth Circuit cases. So the case law is different. The precedence is different. You have to deal with all of that. And individual judges. So. What we bring as trappers to these cases is the practical reality, right? And we bring our voice, right? And so they hear us. The government hears us. They're always the mm -hmm. defendants. Mm -hmm. The plaintiffs hear us. They understand. They don't maybe care. In mm -hmm. fact, they like what we say, and they want to. Yes, we don't want you to coyote trap. Mm -hmm. We don't care that there's lots of coyotes. We don't want it, right? And um, but we bring that forward, and we're heard, and we do affect those cases. And there, I just don't like the limitations in some of the cases that we have, and we're pushing those back. But it's infinitely better what, than what it was. Sure, be. Minnesota absolutely. could have lost the complete ability to trap statewide from least weasels to wolf mm -hmm. forever because mm -hmm. of the links. There are some limitations in uh, three counties in the Northeast. Don't agree with them, mm -hmm. but I trap in those counties. I trap bobcats. Fisher, Martin, Otter, Muskrat, Weasel, and I can trap them, and mm -hmm. I can make it work. Exactly. I don't like that I have to move around these right. regulations that I don't think help the links, but at least we can make it meaningful. Right. Well, one of the things I was kind of drawing to a conclusion there is, and if I and here again, this is my understanding of what you said, is the cases that have been heard on science, and the cases that have been heard on what we perceive as fact, we've won almost every single one of those hands down. We'll win on science. We yes. we are right. I mean, be, we will win because we are common sense, and if it is a reality that science is against us, we're not going to fight that. Right. We will give that away. Sure. We, because it, we're not giving it away. That's the it, science the is fact. the science. It's a fact. That's right. And but the emotion needs to be cut out of it because I don't know what your emotion is, and I don't know what my emotion is, but I know what the science is. Exactly. And that's what we're asking the courts to do. And by and large, federal district judges are very good. They mm -hmm. will listen to the facts. They will apply to the facts of the law. We don't always agree with it respectfully, and we'll go to the circuit courts and we'll appeal that. Mm -hmm. And we, we will continue to do that. And currently, the NTA, the National Trappers Association, is the only association that is putting the wherewithal behind it to do it. Mm -hmm. And they may have some of the wherewithal that others don't. Right. But they don't have infinite pockets either. The states sure. need to step up and support them. You know, we have Montana this year with their referendum on public trapping. See, that, they need to be supported. That's well, yep. that's that's exactly what I just made a note of yeah. to go into. Yep. And and that was uh, the situation in Montana is starkly different than what we've been talking about. I don't know if you can go into the details on the take versus the non-take or whatever, you know, I don't know how, where our limitations yeah, Mon are there. Yeah, Montana. And uh, how we got into this referendum correct, thing. Correct, the referendum, and so the referendum is a very good democratic idea in concept. And what it means is that everybody has a vote and individuals can come in and ask that a law be changed based on just popular pure vote majority. Mm -hmm. In practice, it doesn't work out so well. So you can have a misconception of what the reality is brought into a referendum system and money is communication allowance mm -hmm. and if you don't have the money you can't communicate as well because TV ads radio ads paper ads all cost money so the antis focus on a state like Montana 
they need 25,000 people or 24,000 people to sign a petition. They can get it put on the election and they can say a concept. And some of them, you could get me to agree some of them if I didn't understand the background. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, if, but without the background, I wouldn't know. And these people don't know. And the citizens of Montana don't know. And they need to be informed. You need money to inform them. Mm -hmm. And the plaintiffs will bring in money and they will skew the truth to the point of absurdity. But how do people know? They don't mm -hmm. know. Right. And so the referendum system allows it to be placed on the general ballot. And that is a slugfest of communications. You need to put money in and get ads out and make people understand that trapping on public land is absolutely essential to wildlife management in a state like Montana. Mm -hmm. But they think, these plaintiffs, if they can take a state like Montana and push it off the grids, mm -hmm. so no public trapping, then anything is, is safe. Mm -hmm. And you will hear trappers, well, how can we compete against these big groups? How we can do it? Forget about the numbers. Just do it. Just mm -hmm. go out and fight the fight. Mm -hmm. If you got money to give it, if you don't, put your time into it. And you said something just very, very worthwhile, worthwhile, I thought, in the meeting today is in certain things, like you just got through talking about, numbers are very important. But when you get in court, I know, I think you know what I was going to say, going yep. with that. I want you, to, you to, to, to kind of reiterate what you said there. Right. And so it even came up at the board of directors meetings today that people brought up, well, these groups like you know, uh, biological diversity in HSUS that they have a lot of meeting. They have a lot of members and they can bring a lot of money into play. When I'm in court, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. I just, all I need is someone that's called the National Trappers standing beside me that I represent. Mm -hmm. And I'm an attorney, they're an attorney. It's one-on-one. -on -one. It's, it's just a slugfest now of what the law and the facts are. I don't care how many members they have. Right. I don't care how much money they have. Right. The federal courts are the federal courts. And if we can get in, we need the resources to get us into court. Mm -hmm. We need the resources to cover our costs. And we are a full player in these cases. Right. It, the fact, trappers need to quit worrying about that there's less trappers than other people. That's mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. You're unique. Mm -hmm. Be, I mean, I used to think out of sight, out of mind. I've turned around on that. Mm -hmm. Say to people, you're a trapper. Absolutely. Promote it. I walk around with my t-shirts. I have an NTA mm -hmm. t-shirt. I own a number of them. I own a number of Minnesota Trappers Association. I wear them. Mm -hmm. I go to the grocery store. People ask me questions. I explain it. I, two seconds of time, you don't know who that person is. You don't know how they can influence a system in the future. Just promote it as you can promote it. Stand up. Don't be embarrassed about it. Trapping is a worthy thing in the world. Just like farming is, just like all those other consumptive uses are, and it does not matter how many anti-trappers are. Mm -hmm. We can beat them if we rely on the science. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, as we start to close this up, I saw something really, really remarkable at the end of our meetings today. Um, and I'm not exactly sure what we can or cannot go into, but I think I can explain the generalities of it, maybe not the specifics, but there's a big time fight in Montana right now. The The, the initiative did get through. They're going to have it on, I'm assuming, this on fall. On the general ballot. The general yep. ballot this fall in November. Yep. And they're voting up or down use of steel traps on public land, period, yep. correct? Yep. We're not talking about body not grips. Just, we're not talking about... We're talking all traps. All we're talking traps. traps we're foot traps, body grip traps, snares, everything. Cable restraints, everything. They're shutting right. it down. Yep. This Other than the state for animal damage control, which would be a game warden could come set right. a trap, but no public trapping. Right. That's correct. So this is huge. And this precedent yep. will affect not only if if it were to pass, 
affects not only Montana, but it also affects Mississippi. It not only affects Montana, it also affects Florida and Minnesota and New York and Texas and California and everywhere else. Exactly. These, it is, if you're sitting at home thinking my state is secure, I don't need to worry about other states, you are fundamentally wrong. And I, I, trapping is fun. I do it. I love it. I like going out. I sit and dream about my sets. I really fundamentally, it's part of my life. I brought my kids up doing it. I grew up doing it. It's its the essence of life for a lot of different people. If you want to keep doing that, if you want, if you, part of your living, part of your recreation, part of the meaning of life for you is quit thinking that other states don't matter to you. It all bleeds together. I've been doing this for 40 years. Mm-hmm. I hear constantly, well, they're okay with this restriction in Indiana mm-hmm. or Nebraska. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know those states specifically have ever been mm-hmm. used, but they're states that are used. Right. They use what they can against us, and that bleeds into it. Mm-hmm. And so you have to get involved in these, and you have to care. And what happens in Montana directly affects Mississippi, Minnesota, Maine, Connecticut, Florida, California, every state, and we're going to all live and die together. If the hunters, the people that hunt understood Mm -hmm. it, they would get much more meaningfully involved because the the distance between outlawing mule deer hunting is much shorter if they can stop trapping. Sure. It just, they get motivated. Yes. So that referendum in Maine on the bear hunting Mm -hmm. was meaningful because it starts the crack in the wall. Right. And trapper, I'm talking more as a trapper much more now than I am as an attorney because I actually care about this stuff. And I think that everybody needs to stand up. And if we pool our resources to a place like Montana when they're having this critical issue, and then everybody, Montana and everybody else needs to remember that in the mm-hmm. future. Uh, yep. Pool them every place. Mm-hmm. And we can win these fights. Sure. We are capable of winning. I can teach people how to win these fights. You give me a call. Mm-hmm. I can tell you how your legislation works. I can mm-hmm. tell you how to stop bills, how to keep bills moving. We can do this. Right. This isn't impossible. But we need to work together. And as long as trappers work together. And the NTA is the vehicle I'm not a person that just loves associations. Mm-hmm. I, I like meeting people. I enjoyed coming to these conventions. I'm really cold-blooded about it. As mm-hmm. long as the NTA can help trapping, I'll be involved with the NTA. And I see it as the best vehicle out there right now mm-hmm. for this type of issue. And as long as they keep doing that, and they, they do keep doing it. The current president, Chris McAllister, is great on that. Craig Cotts was great on that. I think mm-hmm. the next president will be great on that. And if we and FTA is good, the state associations, we work together. We can win. People need to quit being concerned there's more of them than us. Well, that's the one thing that I saw. I, I mentioned that. I saw something that really meant a lot to me at the end of this meeting today. And that's kind of what I was a little bit hesitant whether I should or should not say. I'm just going to use generalities. But I saw some grown-up money being handed to a representative from Montana, to go back home, and I'm talking about some serious cash yep. in the form of, what, close to a half a dozen checks from NTA, from FBU, which is the fundraising arm of NTA, uh, even some state small, associations. State associations. Yep. And some individuals. Forward. Exactly. Yep. And and what also, I know there was one that even involved a sister, organiz- sister conservation organization, NWTF, uh, yep. has uh, contributed some money. Yep. And guys, we're not talking about 
$20 checks here. We're talking about substantial money and uh, that part I'm not sure that I'm at liberty to disclose but but I'm talking about some major cash to go back to fight what we all love and share as our passion to do and so that's why that is why I think is is so important to um, to listen to and to see that yeah there really and truly are boots on the ground Gary just like yourself that are out there on the front lines fighting this for us yep and if people support where it needs to be supported at the time it needs to be supported it's not that much of a sacrifice for anyone it all works mm-hmm. i give hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours away that i never bill anyone every year because i believe in it it, mm-hmm. it sucks out of somewhere so it mm-hmm. comes out of my ability to trap and hunt it mm-hmm. takes away from your time with your family it takes away from my work and and that's just part of what i do other people do more than i do mm-hmm. i mean i'm completely aware of that and people like you that do you know sit on the board of directors as a delegate or director that's huge time away from what you would otherwise be doing and it's very important and it's amazing to me how people step forward and put their time and effort into it and we need to keep doing that and everyone needs to just accept that this fight's part of our future it's Mm -hmm. never going away Mm-hmm. It's not gonna. It's like painting your house. Right. Every couple of years, yeah. you're gonna paint it. The encouraging part is we can win, and in many of these cases, we are winning. Correct. You know? we, yeah, yeah. Correct. And we will do better. What people need to understand, they'll read an article. Case didn't go real good. Don't worry about it. No, worry about it. But we know how to fix some of these. Mm-hmm. We will appeal mm-hmm. them. We will readdress it. Just give us time. Right. I've been doing this a long time. The law firm supports these cases with me. I've got very quality people I work with, and we never, ever give up. We just keep marching forward on it, and it just takes a lot of time. Sometimes we go with the restrictions for years. We're going to get them back. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, Gary, I cannot thank you enough for sitting down with me and the um, and the listenership of Chapel Radio and explaining some of these things. I know that it's become much more clear to me um, what um, and I've interviewed some other NTA guys in the past, and uh, we've talked about yeah, we get involved in lawsuits and yeah, we do this. I've never heard the specifics like I heard today, and I appreciate your time sitting down to explain this to us, and uh, and I, I that's really important. It encourages me to stay involved. Uh, guys, if you're not involved, um, I am going to throw a few numbers out there. The NTA's membership, as I understand, is somewhere south of 10,000 members. Just like Atlanta right now. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. it goes up and down to fur prices, which it shouldn't. But the it listenership does. of this program, guys, is more than three times that. For every one guy out here listening to this, to this radio podcast, by theory, then there's two other other guys out there that are not even members. I would strongly encourage you to sign up if you're one some of that two thirds. Um, you can go to a convention, sign up. You can go to your state show and sign up for the uh, member of the MTA. But these are dollars well spent to protect what we truly love. Um, so. Uh, Gary, again, uh, I, I appreciate it much. Any parting words uh, here, words of wisdom to the to the guys? Well, as much we fight this, and we're going to continue to fight this, and I think we can win these cases. I mean, it's like any other war. You're going to have battles that go good and battles that go bad. Um, but if you like trapping, we are in the glory days of trapping. Get out there and trap. Enjoy it. 
Don't just get sucked into all the politics and legal part of it. Get out, go with your kids. It's a wonderful thing to do. It's made my life better. It's made my kids better. Um, and so just enjoy the time you have, but then take your responsibility seriously and support it where you can and put your time and money that you have available to support everybody else. Because it is a fight. It's going to be forever. I think we can win this, but it's... I used to think it kind of comes up every once in a while and we'll get a case pushed down here and pushed down there. Legislatures will come and it's just part of the fabric of the life we live in. Mm -hmm. you, you have to prepare your traps in the fall. You have to go to the legislative session in the spring. It just <laughs> get used to it. Don't be depressed about it. It's part of the world we live in. Very well said. Yep. Very well said. Well, again, we appreciate it, guys. Uh, Clint should be back next week, I believe. And uh, until then, this is Chip signing out for Trapper Radio. Talk to you soon.
something that was long gone. Don't you think this outlaw shit has gotten out of hand? What started out to be a joke? This ain't it, this out.